Welcome to Artful Aging with your host, Amy. Are you a senior or a caregiver of a senior looking for support and direction? Best-selling author, educator, and expert in senior living, Amy Friesen is here with the help you need while providing you with an important and valuable support network. So now, please welcome the host of Artful Aging, Amy Friesen. Morning, everyone. I'm Amy Friesen, and this is Artful Aging with Amy. We're live here from Bold Brave TV, and today's show is all about holiday planning, but not your average holiday planning. It's for holiday planning with someone who has dementia. So it's with and for folks that have dementia in your family. Throughout my almost two decades in the senior living industry, I've worked with many many families who have a loved one with some form of dementia and the, I like to call it on the journey of dementia. I would say that families often react one of two ways. Either they're, they completely accept the diagnosis and are proactive and they work together with their family member to make the changes necessary to support them or they're in complete denial about what's actually happening. They have relatively large blinders on. They're often waiting for a crisis to do anything else and go above and beyond for help. And this is mostly for the reason that they're trying to keep their loved ones at home as long as possible. And they're not registering the amount of burnout that they may actually have as caregivers. Um, And so if you're a caregiver to a loved one who has dementia, not to worry, you don't have to take this journey alone. There are organizations throughout Canada and the U.S., Uh, who specialize in dementia and Alzheimer's. And my guest today is joining me from our local dementia society. As a dementia coach, Misha works with families daily to help them better understand their diagnosis and assist them through transitions. Misha has a background in social services and, and, and is passionate about working with people living with dementia. Uh, Misha has been recently certified as a dementia ability educator. I find that a bit of a tongue twister and is um, excited to be facilitating a new series, helping caregivers uh, identify and enhance the ability of the person they are supporting who is living with dementia. A big welcome to Misha McCallum. Thanks so much, Misha, for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Amy. Misha, could we uh, please tell our viewers and our listeners what dementia is? And let's just start there. So everybody's on the same page is what it is. And is it the same as Alzheimer's? Yeah, that's a great question, Amy. So dementia, it's it's a term to describe uh, a group of symptoms. So some people call that an umbrella term. So um, symptoms like uh, affecting memory, thinking and social abilities, Um, But they have to affect you enough to interfere in your daily life. So whatever the person uh, was like their baseline, so how they interacted in their routine uh, day to day, how they interacted with other people, these changes need to be enough that it it basically disturbs um, the way that that they've always interacted. Um, And. So the difference between Alzheimer's and dementia um, is that dementia is an umbrella term and Alzheimer's is the most common type of dementia. So there are many, many other types of dementia, um, types like Lewy body, frontotemporal, uh, vascular dementia, um, and they all vary in their symptoms. And and what's important to know is that um, because 
there's many other things that that can mimic dementia. Um, it's really important to to see a medical specialist, whether it's a doctor or someone who specializes in dementia, to do some screeners and do an assessment to make sure um, that you are living with dementia or that you are not, so that they they can properly support you. Um, another thing that's really important to know is that uh, many people can live independently for years um, with dementia. Some need more support early on, but um, it really does vary from person to person. For sure. And from my own research, I found that that there are both progressive dementia as well as other disorders that are linked to dementia. Is there is one more common than the other? Is there one that specifically comes up more often? Yeah, so it's it's definitely important to treat underlying conditions um, that are risk factors for developing dementia. So um, some of these conditions might include uh, chronic illnesses like diabetes um, or heart disease um, because they affect the, the blood supply to the brain and whether or not they get enough oxygen. Um, there's other things like medication complications um, that can affect uh, developing dementia, sensory conditions um, like hearing loss, um, depression is another one as well. Uh, so, And it's also important to protect your head. So anything that can change the brain cells in your brain, um, that we really want to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves through our health and then also protecting our head. So that's wearing helmets whenever we're doing exercise or trying to prevent falls too, because they can be pretty detrimental as well. It's um, especially with our senior population, falls is a huge risk factor. We, um, as I said at the top of the show, we kind of work with a lot of people that wait for crisis, but what they don't understand is that crisis can be a lot of different things. And usually it's not the crisis that you're not planning for, I guess, right? So a lot of the, a lot of falls happen and people don't realize what the ricochet effect is from that. Um, are there any other risk factors that people specifically could look out for? So as far as risk factors, um, it's it's important just to stay on top of your health, um, to note any changes um, with your doctor, because the earlier you intervene, um, the quicker that you can actually find a solution to that. Um, there's certainly um, warning signs that um, that you can look out for. Um, and it, there's actually 10 warning signs. So a lot of people uh, think that memory loss is the only thing that accompanies dementia, but really there are 10 other things. So um, one, one thing could be uh, challenges performing everyday tasks. So the way that the person cooks in their kitchen or um, you know putting the milk back away in the cupboard instead of in the refrigerator. Um, someone having challenges with abstract thoughts. So being able to, to do their taxes or being able to um, budget. Um, so their finances are suddenly starting to change. Uh, changes to personality, um, that's that's a big one too. So whatever, what I had mentioned earlier about your baseline, whenever someone has uh, significant changes, so whether they are starting to get more short-tempered or they're actually becoming more relaxed. Uh, so that's that's sometimes a misconception that someone is going to be more short-tempered rather than than the other way around. It's just any changes to what you, you originally were like. Um, Another thing could be language skills, so trying to find that word in a sentence or understanding what um, what someone's saying. So um, a lot of the times um, it could be one or both of those. 
misplacing objects. I know that I misplace my keys and my phone all the time. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean that I have dementia. It just means that um, that's my baseline. But when things start to go missing and they're put in very odd places, that's something certainly to, to be concerned about. Um, and there's many other um, warning signs that you need to look out for. Um, so it's really good to, to go on our website or to call a dementia care coach to learn more about that. I find that um, usually just before the show on Wednesdays, I were dealing with a client that has something that I'm about to talk about. And uh, one of the clients called me yesterday. And what's really disturbing for family members is the uh, change in attitude, which you which you touched on. Somebody goes from super mild mannered to a really aggressive, right? So um, it's it's been interesting. We can definitely see it in different family members and how people react. But let's let's continue this conversation in a minute. We're going to take a break at right now, and after we come back, we're going to dive in a little bit more about what the Dementia Society does. So grab a cup of tea. Meet us back here in a couple of minutes. This is Artful Aging with Amy. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Before the break, Misha was educating us on risk factors and signs of dementia. As I mentioned at the top of the show, Misha works as a dementia coach at the Dementia Society of Ottawa and Renfrew County. Misha, can you tell everyone what an organization like the Dementia Society does and how it, how it can help families? Yeah, so um, at the Dementia Society, we, we help people living with dementia and their family. So a lot of times in organizations, um, the patient, the person that, that has a condition is the client. But we look at the whole family, everyone that's involved in supporting them um, as, as our clients. So um, we can support with direction as to what to do next, uh, provide education to family members um, and friends. And um, we have a whole lot of other programs and services, but my role as a dementia care coach is to really guide families um, as best as I can. So we tailor the support depending on the person's individual education. So some pe people really need some emotional support um, in, in all of the emotions that they're feeling um, in accepting the diagnosis. Some people really need direction of what to do in the community, where to go, how to access it. So we make sure to have those connections built into our support so that the person doesn't have to question that anymore. Um, and then we can offer other things like recommendations, um, specific situations. We have a lot of people that will bring up um, what, what should I do with the person I'm supporting? Um, you know, what, what types of... Um, how should I respond to to the person when they do this? Or are these symptoms uh, a concern? Um, so sometimes people will call in and, and they'll ask about uh, delirium or urinary tract infections um, and, you know, just general changes that the person's experiencing. So we can really give them a lot of uh, insight into what to do next. And as a dementia coach, um, so if I was to call into the Dementia Society because I wasn't sure where to start. Essentially, that's kind of how we direct people too that don't know where to start. We always connect them with the Dementia Society. Um, if I was calling in, does someone as a whole at the Dementia Society help me through or are they assigned a dementia coach? Like, what does that process look like? 
Yeah, so they're assigned a dementia care coach because, as you mentioned, it's it's a whole journey, and you want to be able to know who who to go to. So everyone gets their their own dementia coach. So so we do um, we we support them in gathering information, and then that dementia care coach follows them through their journey. Um, so we we call people at least once a year um, and reach out to them, but they're able to call us whenever they have any questions, things are changing, um, or they they just need to talk one day. Um, so we can really be part of that support network because not everybody has family. Not everybody has someone in their life that they can connect with. So we really try to be that, that extended piece in their life. Yeah, it's, diff- it's difficult too. And you were saying about the emotions too, which I think is a really key point because a lot of, a lot of the people that I talk with don't realize how much emotion is, is in it, right? Like it, how much it does change. And a lot of the family members that we're working with are actually grieving what was of their you know parent or loved one and what their their life was like then and what their life is like now grieving for their loved one and grieving for themselves do you find that happens a lot oh yeah absolutely it's called ambiguous loss so when when someone is um grieving who the person used to be um and but they're still here so um it's it's really difficult because there's other emotions like um guilt and anger uh, and frustration that come up and it's it's a roller coaster it's a wave and it's it comes and goes um and some people are really good at expressing their emotions some people um have a really good way of coping and others really need that support to to figure out what that looks like for their individual situation so those are definitely some other things that we help them through and when the family members connect with you because most often i'm guessing it would be a family member or a loved one of the person who has dementia um, you're giving services to that loved one. Uh, are you also able to then reach out in some form or connect with or meet with the person who has dementia to, to I'm thinking of my role, right? To kind of coach them through. Cause sometimes when people come to us that are looking for retirement living, I go in and I speak with the person who has dementia and, and we, we kind of work through it. Right. And so is that something that you also can do? Yeah, yeah. So not everyone living with dementia has insight into their diagnosis and some don't want to talk about it. And that's that's okay. That's that's part of the condition and some some that's just not part of their personality either. Um, but we do have sessions that we we invite them to where they can meet others living with a diagnosis and talk about the changes and and continue to be supported ongoing other uh, social programs that we invite them to so that um, stimulation and social involvement is really important. So of course, um, during the pandemic, a lot of this stuff is online, but we've had things go in and out in person as as it's safely allowed. Um, but we also you know, have many clients on my caseload who are living with dementia um, that I've supported in helping figure out how to live better in their, their daily routines. Um, so whether that's developing a schedule or figuring out um, how they themselves can get connected to to something that's important to them or bring something back into their life that they've always loved. Um, so it really depends on, on every situation. And sometimes it's a really short period of time that we're connected with the person with dementia. And I have other clients that I've been connected to for years. And so the support has changed as time has gone on, but uh, it's still meaningful. And and I think that's, that's an important thing to notice adaptation is is figuring out where the person is in their dementia journey and and setting them up for success for sure i speak with a lot of families also you had mentioned delirium and utis and i speak with a lot of families 
whose loved one has a sudden change. Um, and, and from my own reading, you can let me know for sure, but you know, usually dementia is a little bit more slow moving is my understanding. And so they have this sudden change and say, Oh my goodness, is this what's happening? Um, and, and they don't know for sure what to do and they don't know who to ask. So how would family members tell if their loved one maybe has dementia versus having a delirium or a UTI? So I, I think what's important to know is that dementia is uh, slow progressing, um, some, some a little bit quicker than others, but delirium is fast onset. It's a real sudden change in, um, in whether they are connected to people, if they're fearful of things, um, if they are starting to have delusions or a little bit restless. So it's, it's when you see those sudden changes, it's so important to, to speak with the doctor because that can be reversed if early intervention is offered. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you for that. We're going to continue this conversation after the break. I'm glad that we've been able to tell you a little bit more about what dementia is, When we come back, we're going to be discussing holiday planning for someone who has dementia. You don't want to miss it. Please stay tuned. This is Artful Aging with Amy. We'll see you in a minute. Welcome back. You're watching Artful Aging with Amy. We're live on Bold Brave TV. And today we're talking about dementia and holiday planning for loved ones who have dementia. The holidays are within reach at this point, and you may be heading home to see a senior loved one who has dementia. I'm sure that the holidays feel different now with unexpected changes happening in yours and your loved one's lives. Many families are at a loss as to what to do with and for their loved one who has dementia. The Dementia Society has come up with a beautiful two-page document to outline how to care for a loved one over the holidays. The links are available at artfulagingwithamy.com for you to have uh, as a reference. Perhaps maybe we'll start this part of the conversation with this question for Misha. What can families do now to prep for the upcoming holidays with their loved ones? So I think like everything, it's it's important to to plan ahead. Um, it's planning can help things go smoother. So um, so keep it simple. Um, you don't need to have a whole lot of activities um, going on, or at least have have somewhere for the person with dementia to go where it's quiet if needed. So if there is a lot of hustle and bustle in the house, you wanna make sure that there's a place to retreat um, and that you you can assign people to look out for those signs that the person might be coming overwhelmed or they need a break uh, and go and, and spend time with them. Um, so part of what you can do is make sure that the simple traditions are kept up. So um, if the person really liked baking cookies or um, making some sort of dessert uh, to modify that so that it's it's set up for success for them. So maybe it's just doing the, the cookie cutting instead of making the whole recipe or printing the recipe out in a different way with with bolder, um, simpler font that's, that's a little bit bigger, that's easier to read if the person really wants to be more independent. Um, Music is a great one, too. So you want to make sure that uh, whatever music you've always listened to um, is part of the overall ambiance uh, in the room. So um, you just have to pay attention and make sure it's it's not overwhelming. So it's, it's a really delicate balance between um, doing one thing at a time. So if you're listening to music, um, 
do a sing along, try to um, be involved with it, um, but maybe not have it on really loud when you're trying to have a conversation because that can be really distracting. So, um, and another thing is um, you can try to uh, make sure that when when there is a quiet space that there's things to do in that quiet space uh, with the person, whether it's it's looking through books or maybe it is listening to music, but it's with earphones in that quiet space so that it, it uh, takes out the the overall background noise that can be um, really challenging because what what changes when someone has dementia is is that filter. So being able to um, take out that the talking, the noise, um, the lights, and all of the senses that we we don't really notice day to day. So um, we just want to make sure that that we're we're focused on that that one special thing every single moment. And I think that a lot of people generally, if they're going back to a family's home, they they kind of plan their trip. They they sort of plan what's going to happen. Although a lot of us have been ingrained that we just have these um, things that happen every year, right? And we just we cook the dinner, we make the cookies, we do whatever. So just kind of taking an extra minute to consider um, what might be happening with your loved one, I think, as a part of your plan is a great option. Um, one other point that I found interesting when I was reading that document was to prepare your family. Can you tell us a little bit more about that, Misha? Yeah, so it's important to to speak with the family, and some some families find it really helpful to just send an email and uh, and communicate maybe some of the changes that they might recognize and see. Because just like we had mentioned earlier, grieving is it's hard, and it's hard for everyone because the person has changed, whether it's a little bit or a lot. Um, so to give them sort of heads up over um, whether or not they have trouble finding words. So um, if they have a hard time getting through a sentence to inform the family so they can give them more time to get at what they need to say. Because sometimes people want to jump in and they want to finish a sentence. And that can be pretty frustrating when you are, you're close to getting out what you want to say, but you can't quite get there. Um, it can be, like I'd said earlier, giving them jobs. So um, when you notice that um, that the person is sitting there alone or they're not engaging in the conversation, why don't you get out this this uh, book of photos and go through it with the person? Um, and that can be your special moment together. And I think mm -hmm. it's really important to avoid using um, the phrase "remember when" um, and and introduce yourself uh, and just say. Hey, it's me, Misha. Before you you sit down, because sometimes it can be embarrassing for the person with dementia um, if they forget that person's name, especially if it's someone that they think they should know the name of. Um, another way is to play a fun game and to put uh, name tags on for the game, but then just leave them on for the rest of the day so that um, nobody feels like they're they're being um, the light is shining on them, especially the person living with dementia. That's great advice. I can, some of the things that you're saying actually would work for me equally, right? Like I'm not terrific with names. Those things would help if you're in a setting that, you know, maybe you don't know everybody, maybe it is some sort of holiday party or whatnot, um, or even having a quiet space generally. I think as like a host, that would be a nice thing to have just generally speaking, because we all have our own ups and downs. And right now we've all been dealing with COVID as well, right? Not a lot of people are getting together at the moment, but, you know, everybody's so used to being isolated too, right? And so then to be in an environment um, and also about sending the email to family because, you know, there's usually a main caregiver that's kind of around and there's a lot of people who live out of town and don't see perhaps their mom and dad 
very often. And so they don't really have a clue of actually, you know, the hands on what's happening day to day. Um, one of the other points I found really interesting was adjusting meals. Can you give us a little bit more information about how to make the meal time a more positive experience? Yeah, so so sometimes um, as people progress through their journey, they may not recognize um, what to use uh, utensil for, um, or they might have a hard time um, getting food into into their mouths um, in a way that's dignified. So sometimes just having a cocktail style uh, meal is better. So finger foods, um, it keeps the appetite uh, fresh and it can be more fun and it, there's not really like they said, that spotlight on someone feeling embarrassed for how they're changing. So that can be a really good way to modify that. Awesome. For sure. So it's that time again. So hopefully these tips have been helpful. After the break, Misha and I will continue this conversation. But here's a question for you to consider during the break. Do you have a plan in place for the holiday season if you have a loved one who has dementia? You've been watching Artful Aging with Amy on Bold Brave TV. We'll be right back. And learn how. We Hi again. Thanks for staying with us. I've been speaking with Misha McCallum from the Dementia Society. She's a dementia coach there. And while we're still on the topic of holidays, a specific note to say that these tips are helpful for all holidays, not just the ones that come up in this time of year. And so, Misha, can you maybe talk to us a little bit about the type of activities families can do with their loved ones? Yeah, so I had I had mentioned music before, um, and music uh, has such a wonderful way of connecting with the brain. It can it can change moods uh, in in good or bad ways. So it's a really important to make sure that whatever music you're playing, um, whatever it, it's specific to the person. So a lot of the times we want to focus on on things that that connect with um, early adolescence um, to early adulthood those that's really the formative years that um, that are special to the person so of course that would include Christmas music or our holiday music in general um, that people would recognize so um, you just you want to make sure that your the music played is is getting the emotion from the person that that you're hoping for um, and uh, so other things you can do um, Activities with purpose. So you want to make sure that um, it relates to who the person was before and who they are now. So um, as an example, uh, if if I was supporting someone who really liked um, being social, um, they really liked being with others. Um, you can you can work in writing letters. Um, so right now, of course, we can't be in big groups of people, but you can you can do video chat, you can um, you can talk on the phone, and that's wonderful. But why not um, use letter writing as a way to develop pen pal skills with uh, whether it's it's a grandchild or it's a sibling? Um, but then, so it's the act of actually writing the letter down. And and then sending it and then reading the letter that comes back. So you've you've there's multiple steps in there and it's connecting someone uh, to to someone that's important to them. And they don't feel like they have to be put on the spot because as the letter comes in, the caregiver or family member can explain who that person is that they're writing to or from. Um, so some other things you can try um, are, are actually chores around the house because it, everyone needs to feel like they can contribute to your everyday. So, um, and, and breaking down the, the tasks really simply um, to, and into steps so that it doesn't become overwhelming. So maybe it's just sweeping. 
um, and you're just instructing someone to sweep into a pile and and you as the caregiver are the one that's that's taking that pile and putting it into the garbage because those are two, two very very different steps that you want to look at um, I find it really helpful to fill out a form that's uh, called all about me because you get to put down on paper who the person was, what's important to them. And then from there, you're able to build in special, meaningful activities that are personal to the person. Um, and then you're avoiding trying to make conversation and trying to uh, get past that maybe difficult word finding or get past that, uh, what do I even talk about? Um, because you can use this book and the things that you've recorded um, as the family member or anybody else that might be coming into the home and helping support them. I find that um, a lot of our folks who make a move into retirement living, but into a memory care program, perhaps, um, some of the things that they do a lot are, like you said, chores, like fold, helping set the tables or folding uh, napkins and things like that. And it's interesting to see how family members who may be touring with us in that environment feel like, you know, that's not a bet the greatest activity, right? They think that people should be really um, extra involved or doing some kind of, you know, amazing thing, but really this is what is for that person, right? This is what does it. And there's also, I've also seen, uh, the baby programs as well. There's a lot of folks who find comfort in having a doll with them and taking care of the doll as the, their dementia, um, progresses. Have you, uh, also seen that Misha? Yeah, so doll therapy is is such a special thing. It's it's really meaningful for people who um, need and want someone or something to care for. So, um, and you know, I've seen families where there's uh, there's mothers that had twelve children and they're they're done caring for the for any more children and they don't want uh, to take care of the doll. But most people will will welcome um, at a certain stage, holding, um, feeding. Uh, dressing, doing all sorts of, like you said, folding. So you can, when you actually make activities around a certain object like that, that you can care for, um, there's so many different facets that you can, you can incorporate into that. And it's just someone to love. And um, as visits have changed a lot, that's, that's introducing something safe back into the person's life. So it doesn't have to be an actual really expensive doll. You can go to Walmart, you can go on Amazon and you can order just a simple doll. Some, some interact back with you, which can be really helpful. Some make movement, some feel more lifelike. So it don't, don't feel uncomfortable about trying different things. So if it doesn't work right away, maybe it was a bad day. Or maybe you need to look at um, getting a different doll. Like this one woman I worked with, she didn't like that the doll that I introduced, um, the eyes didn't close because the doll was never sleeping. So something we can do in that respect mm. is put a blindfold on the doll. Um, so that's their sleeping blindfold or looking at a doll that has the eyes that close as well. So it's it's just trying to be a detective and figuring out what's not working in this situation and how can I change it so that the person who you're introducing, whatever this activity is, uh, can feel better about that situation and, and connect to it better. Super interesting for sure. Um, yeah, I love seeing the different stations set up on some of the memory care uh, floors that we have here in retirement living. Um, let's, Misha, let's shift over just a little bit to winter safety because we're in the winter, it's coming on, we're talking about holidays and whatnot. Winter's super difficult uh, for many people, especially seniors, it's hard to get out, it's isolating. Again, you've got COVID on top, which is extra isolating. 
I know myself this time of year, I require extra light and some extra breaks because I struggle with what's called seasonal affective disorder or SAD as well as depression. So Misha, do you have any cold water, cold weather, not water, (laughs) um, tips that you can share with our viewers? Yeah, so um, in regards to going outside, maybe we'll start outside of the home. Um, You want to make sure that uh, you're reducing the risk of falls. So some families find it really helpful to get boot grippers um, so that you can actually connect um, well with the ground so that it reduces the slip factor. You want to make sure you're shoveling off any areas that you are walking really well. You're, you're putting down salts and um, you're you're making sure that the outdoor safety is really, really great. But you also can get light bulbs inside too, as far as um, keeping things bright and, and also introducing your skin to that vitamin D that it needs as well. Awesome. Terrific. Well, we're going to take another break. Up next on Artful Aging with Amy, Misha and I are going to talk about prevention and how to care for oneself during the holidays as a caregiver. That's right, caregivers, we have tips for you too, and your well-being is just as important. So please join us back here in a couple of minutes, and we'll see you then. Welcome back. Today's show has been packed full of helpful tips and ways to support your loved one who is on their journey with dementia. Let's take a minute to turn the mirror to all of our caregivers Many caregivers I work with are grieving, like we talked about just a little while ago. They grieve the life that they had before their loved one was diagnosed, as well as their relationship with their parent. It's hard to have things turned upside down in a split second. And although, generally speaking, dementia is slow moving, many people don't catch on until it's already in progress, and therefore they feel like it's come out of nowhere. Misha, how can caregivers protect themselves through the holiday season of uh, perhaps doing too much or even burning out further? Yeah, so planning can definitely help with that. So um, journaling is a really good way to recognize what is stressful in your life or talking to someone about that if that's how, how you get it out or calling your your dementia coach just to um, to figure help you organize some tips. Um, so acknowledging what your feelings are uh, surrounding the holidays, because some people it's a trigger holidays time. So um, what can you do during the holidays that might make you feel better um, or how to find breaks? Because um, we know that, that there's a lack of respite um, generally during the holiday season, but in, in general right now, just because of the way our world is changing. So um, trying to find those small windows um, that you can do for yourself. So sometimes we, we hear that word self-care all the time. And it's not about taking 30 minutes to go to the gym or, you know, taking a long drawn out bubble bath. For some people, that's that's what they need and they can work that into their schedule and that's great. But even five minute breaks, five minute breathers that um, you can say, I just need to go to the washroom and instead walk into the bedroom and read maybe a chapter in the book or have a nice hot cup of coffee by yourself. Um, read the newspaper, just one article. It's just, it's figuring out what what that small thing is for you that can give you your me time back. 
but scheduling it into your day too. So um, maybe maybe it is the five minutes after your loved one goes to sleep or waking up an extra five minutes earlier so that you can have that me time. Or maybe it is sleep and, and sleeping in, <laughs> maybe that that extra little bit of sleep and uh, you know, you've set up um, your Amazon Echo to play a wonderful song for the person when they get up. So it gives them that extra five minute distraction so that you can sleep in a little bit more. So it's just figuring out through conversation, journaling, figuring out what you need to make yourself feel a little bit less stressed because there's going to be stress involved. It's just taking that extra little bit of load off. Um, one of the, one of the extra one of the extra items that when I was when I was talking to you earlier too is is what I found interesting as well is the fact of just maybe planning a shorter visit. Or, you know, delegating specific tasks, not, you know, not hoping a family member will step in, but just saying, I need you to do this. Yeah, um, exactly. And I, I always let caregivers know, keeping that list by the phone. So if they call or if they send an email, having that list of things that you think might be helpful for them to do. Um, so maybe it, it's going and helping lift some boxes that um, that you needed to do that you haven't gotten around to, or it's taking the person um, for a walk around the block, or just um, when you recognize this conversation happening, um, can you distract them with another meaningful activity? So it's figuring out specifics that would help you and and instructing them on on how to follow through with that. Because you're right, not everyone is intuitive. Not everyone um, has that skill to to figure out what would work in the situation. So if you do know what that thing looks like, or you, I mean, you do it every day in your life anyways, as a primary caregiver, um, give others that tip so that um, you can feel better because it, it really is helping yourself. I think that also what you said about just having that five minutes, I think is good for all caregivers, regardless of who you're caring for. We were talking on the break about having young children as well and just saying, okay, I got it. Mommy has to go for five minutes. I'll be back and just that breather so that you're not in the same space and you can just take care of yourself. I think it's really important for all caregivers, in my opinion. Um, I think that really, generally speaking, for me, the more often I can do that throughout the day, it doesn't have to be very long, the better I am for my daughter. Um, what do you think about that, Misha? Yeah, self-care is so important. You you can only give um, what you have. So I always describe it as, as uh, a pitcher of water. There's only so much you can pour into a cup if it's empty. So yeah. it's uh, so even just filling it up little bits, it's not like it always has to be full, but you just have to keep giving back to that pitcher so that you can give to others. Sure. On the topic of support, um, I believe the Dementia Society has a few programs to help both folks with dementia as well as the care, their caregivers. Can you tell us a little bit more about the programs, Misha? Yeah, so one of the programs um, that's along the lines of respite is called Make a Connection, Take a Break. So it's something that um, has been really successful for a lot of families. Um, so when when you request to be um, connected with that program, the the coordinator will match a volunteer with the person living with dementia. So it can be it can be super safe um, even during COVID. So sometimes that's weekly calls with the person, um, whether that's on the phone, over video chat. 
Um, and and as things are safer, we have some volunteers that are are uh, willing and going in person to visit the person with dementia too. So that can give those those five minute breaks because sometimes we just start small and we a volunteer will call um, on a regular basis but have short conversations so that it's it's a good positive emotional experience. So even though they may not remember the volunteer's name, they remember that this volunteer made me happy, they made me smile, they made me laugh, and um, and then as they continue to be part of that person's life on a regular basis it offers um, maybe a little bit more time for that that respite piece for the the caregiver built in so uh, just a reminder respite can really just mean a cup of coffee it can really just mean something short um, and we have other programs like support groups um, we have uh, card making art programs, we have uh, exercise programs as well. So a lot of social uh, type programs that are really good for the brain and can also be attended with you as a caregiver because sometimes you're looking for a dementia inclusive activities to do and we certainly have uh, those aplenty. Um, but outside of that, the education programs we have are, are really great. The workshops are tailored to specific needs and questions that the person might have. So we as coaches try to recommend you what fits best with your individual situation. I think that's great because not everything is a one size fits all, right? So on that note, I'd like to thank Misha so much for all of the information that you've shared today. I found it super helpful as a professional, but I hope that our viewers have also found it helpful. So thanks Misha for coming on very much. Thanks for having me, I really appreciate it. For more information on Misha and the Dementia Society, head over to artfulagingwithamy.com uh, for Misha's bio, as well as helpful links. After the break, uh, we're going to go over our top tips um, and discuss kind of everything in a nutshell for those folks who enjoy a Coles Notes version. Uh, you've been watching Artful Aging with Amy live on Bold Brave TV. We'll see you in a couple of minutes. Welcome back to Artful Aging with Amy. We're live on Bold Brave TV. Thanks so much for joining us today. I really hope that you found Misha and all of her information about dementia and the Dementia Society helpful Again, have a look over on our website uh, for additional links to get some extra information. Let's go over what I think our top tips are of today. So, of course, number one is make a plan. I'm sure you're not surprised if you've been with me for a couple of episodes at this point. Like anything else we discuss here is to make a plan. And planning is really, really key to pretty much everything in life we finding anyway. Do yourself a favor and consider what is currently happening and what might happen during the added buzz of the holidays. Do your best to make a strategy so that you can have a peaceful holiday as well. You are just as important as the loved one that you're caring with, caring for with dementia. And so do your best to make that plan. I'm sure it will work out much, much smoother. Tip two is ask for help. Sometimes that means uh, not asking too. Sometimes many that many families need a lot of direction and just being direct and telling a sibling what you need. For example, you might ask them, you know, um, X needs to be done. Can you do this? Um, so not everybody's intuitive. Just lay out what you need. And as long as you're polite, I'm sure that uh, everybody is willing to uh, pitch in. Uh, and help. Even sometimes a lot of siblings don't get along, but if you're working towards the greater good of the loved one that has dementia, uh, I'm sure people will be willing to pitch in. 
And then number three is take activities down a notch. Not everything needs to be grandiose and involved, like Misha was saying. Simple things like listening to music, flipping through a family album can be just as enjoyable, maybe even more um, with the loved one that's on the journey of dementia. You know, just keeping it calm and interactive, but on a level that that person's at. Uh, of course, dementia is progressive. So someone who is in early dementia may need different activities that someone's in late stages. So, you know, kind of try to gauge as best as you can. If you need some support, reach out to the Dementia Society or an Alzheimer's Society in your area. Again, they're all across Canada and the U.S. and they're willing to help and they can get you through this. And there you have it. Uh, we are at the end of this year's shows. We will be returning on January 5th with a guest, uh, Michelle Woodbray, who is a co-owner of Two Sisters. Uh, Michelle and I will be discussing all things senior living. You don't want to miss it. That's my bread and butter. Um, if you've enjoyed today's show, please make an effort to like us on the podcast or on the YouTube that you're watching uh, that helps other families find us a lot easier. Thanks again for joining us on Artful Aging with Amy. I hope you have a wonderful and peaceful holiday season. From me to all of you, have a wonderful Wednesday. You've been listening to Artful Aging with host Amy. Many folks just like you feel they're alone in their journey in helping a loved one or caregiver. So tune in each week and let Amy show you that help is around the corner and is just one conversation away here on Artful Aging.